Welcome to Ravens at the Crossroads. I'm Mistress Prime. I'm Tyler Matthews. This is a continuation of the series of interviews from the final Pantheonicon, with attendees sharing their thoughts and feelings about the event, its ending, and all the possible future events that may arise to fill the absence. If you want to hear this series from the beginning, please look for episode 17. And now we are joined with Meg Ellison, uh, author in the pagan community. Uh, thank you for joining us, Meg. Thanks for having me. Hey, Meg, what books have you written? I have three books out currently, The Book of the Unnamed Midwife, The Book of Etta, and The Book of Flora. The first one won the Philip K. Dick Award in 2014. I have two books being released in 2020. Uh, the first in May is a collection of short stories called Big Girl from PM Press. The second is a young adult novel coming out in August from Skyscape, and the title is Find Leela. Cool. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. It's been really fun. It's the best job I've ever had. So, um, it's the final Pantheacon. It sure is. And so, what are you? What are you? How? How was your experience? I've been coming to Pantheacon off and on for about a decade now. Uh, it's not far from where I live in Oakland, and I was usually able to make it here even when I lived in Southern California. It was a bit of a hike back then. I remember it being quite a bit more vibrant than it is now. I feel like it's lost a little luster and a little life every year. It's all its all sort of felt like a downward slide. I remember there was a time when if you had asked me where I wanted to be in this world, I would have said sitting at the hearth at this hotel during this convention because it felt so vital. It felt important to be here. And uh, every year I've spent less and less time. I've stopped getting a hotel room. I started driving home in the evening. I've spent less and less time in ritual. And this year I feel it's just a, it's a last gasp. There are fewer people here and there's less programming and there's less going on and I'm seeing fewer familiar faces and it's, it feels like a zombie con. It's dead and it's still walking. Well, okay. it is the last one. So Yeah, it is the last one. Uh, one of the things that Glenn had talked to Mr. Prime about was the concept that everything has a cycle and this is the cycle for Pantheacon. It is and I, I think uh, Pantheacon's resistance to change over the years has certainly contributed to that. I mean it's evolved, migrate or die, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard that there are some other things slated to take its place to take this specific weekend at this specific hotel and I would, I would be very interested in seeing what other programming and what other organizations can flourish in the vacuum created by the lack of a Pantheacon. I guess we'll see. Yeah, there, there's a few different things going on. I also want to mention that we are also joined by one of Mistress Prime's friends, Red Dragon. So he's uh, lurking over in the shadows there. <laughs> yeah, see, I was hoping not to be put on the spot. I was thinking I could just kind of fly could, by the seat of my pants I and hide. shouting to everybody that you're here and pointing yeah. at you wildly. Right. <laughs> no, but how's it been for you? Like, are you having the same experience that oh, I am? Uh, absolutely. Uh, a- absolutely. In fact, I, th- I can't remember if I said it or if it was one of, the, one of you two that said it, but that was, you know, the word that was, was muted. Yes. You know, yes. Is that, yes. Muted yes. is a very good word for this yeah. year. It definitely yeah. seems a lot different. You know, yeah. it's, it, it's very noticeable, especially you know, like you said, the lack of familiar faces, uh, less programming, less programming, and less, lower attendance, less programming from the names that I've come to expect to be here. That was the biggest letdown. I think was looking at the schedule and realizing the people that I show up for just didn't show up. Right. Well, but I think also there's an adaption for people to step into. Uh, new new faces, new uh, information, new... Absolutely, and I'm, I'm always happy to see that, too. It's just it's weird for them to come in at a time when everything's so clearly on the wane. 
Well, and we've talked to a few people who this is their first Pentheacon, and even they get the feeling that, you know, this is kind of a bittersweet goodbye. Yeah. It would be impossible to ignore. I mean, you wouldn't be here if you didn't have some sensitivity to the energy in the room. I'm sure even the newbiest noob mm-hmm. uh, can figure out what's going on this year. Oh, the, uh, some people I think uh, here aren't sensitive enough to understand that they're blasting out weird energy. Like, they, there have been a few <laughs> times where we'll be sitting there and all of a sudden you just get a sense of, like, weight. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. That's a whole other problem, though. That's that's, a whole other problem. That's people dragging around their baggage and their trauma and having no idea how it affects other people. That's a a sickness everybody has at some point. And that's typical every year. Yeah. Well, and it's not just here. You can not find that anywhere. I do a lot of science fiction conventions because of my job, and uh, you see the exact same thing, except there is way more pressure to drink. Yeah. (laughs) People stay sober here because you can get high going to ritual, but at a science fiction convention, it's bar or bust. Okay. Well, you've been going to PantheaCon for a while. Um, so we got your feedback on this year. Can you share one of your favorite memories from a past PantheaCon? I absolutely can. It's not even difficult to think of. There used to be a regular ritual that happened at this convention called the Fairy Tent Revival. Okay. And uh, it was modeled after tent revival church services as they're typically held in a Baptist churches in the South. And they did a full evocation of the seven fairy gods. There was a gospel choir. They had uh, the people doing invocations dress in, like, classic Southern Baptist preacher outfits. I mean, it was it was a parody, but at the same time, it was deeply respectful of the source material that it was parodying. And I think it was healing for a lot of people who grew up Christian, who wanted to reclaim the feelings of churchiness without projecting uh, the harmful theologies and the, the difficult right. ecumenical things that had been part of their lives as younger people. I remember it being incredibly moving. It was it was funny. It was tearful. It was stirring. And they rewrote uh, pagan versions of some of the classic hymns, like the kind of thing everybody knows. Uh, with That sounds funny. It was really, really great. I mean, it was lightning in a bottle. I've never had any experience like it. And it's, that's the high that I always am chasing when I come back to Pantheacon. I'm like, maybe I'll go to some ritual that'll be as good as the fairy tent revival. And the, the truth is, it's never been that good again. That was the best time. Okay, that is amazing. It uh-huh. might be something that in, uh, inspires somebody to come up with another type of ritual. Because planning a ritual as I've learned going through because I'm still new relatively I'm, I'm going to classes and I've got a great teacher and uh, learning how to put on a ritual properly mm. and make it so it's something that's powerful and memorable uh, is it's tricky sometimes so. it's it's really hard work I mean there's literally centuries of books on exactly that subject mm-hmm. how do you do it and how do you do it with the spirit of communitas and how do you do it with without elevating a celebrity personality to the point where we have a, a mega church which is another mm-hmm. problem yes uh isaac bonowitz has a really good book on public ritual for anybody who's trying to learn how to how to hone that craft it's a little outdated like anything you get from bonowitz but the the fundamentals are good okay excellent excellent That's good thank you enough. thank you so i have a question yeah uh what would you what would you hope to see or experience with the new um, Between the Veils uh, event? 
Yeah, so that's the that's the rumor everybody's talking about, right? Is that there's a between the veils event that's supposed to take over this weekend. As I understand this. it, they, they signed the contracts. Yeah, I heard the same thing. I hope that it's true. So, uh, assuming that that goes forward, that they have the backing, that they have the money, that they have the organization and the, the infrastructure that it takes to put something this size on, and it's not small, I would really like to see inclusion from the very beginning of people on the planning board from the POC contingent here at mm-hmm. Pantheacon yes. and from the trans contingent as well. I think a lot of the problems that popped up around Pentecon the last few years with the, the Z Budapest incident and the ongoing problem with the POC suite uh, could be could have been avoided and could be avoided in the future if we had more diverse voices in planning from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the, the feelings that, that's muted this year, one of the things that feels like it's dying is there's a kind of paganism that's dying here. There's a kind of pagan that's dying, and it's the kind of pagan that could act blithely white supremacist without uh, engaging with or examining any of the things that brought us to paganism that are quite frankly racist and uh, the the ways that we've been appropriating uh, Native American spirituality for years and years. I mean, it's time to reckon. I would like to see the next con that takes this thing's place to reckon. Mm -hmm. I I completely agree. I'm happy to see that some people in the younger generation, including myself, who have gone off and said seen issues and have actively gone off and said hey this isn't right we need to do this inclusion that that gives me hope that gives me an idea of hey we're going to be all right because we're we're making changes those who don't change die off just as you mentioned migrator die essentially evolve migrate or die that's it those are the rules so it's it's not going to be the same as it was but that's not a bad thing no, I really don't think it is. So I, I I hope, just like you said, I hope they do start including more people from diverse backgrounds because that's how you get a more rounded uh, experience overall. You can do rituals from other paths and other religions, and other backgrounds, as long as you have that sense of honoring the source material. You're not Becky going down to uh, the Halloween shop getting... A sexy Indian costume and oh, good grief. Uh, yeah, that's still waving exists. around sage at some event uh, that actually happened. I don't know if the girl's name was Becky, but it happens. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the best way to to honor the source material is to find people who are authentically part of that community, uh, elevate, honor, exactly platform, and pay them. Agreed. I I don't know how many times I've had this conversation with people that hey there there needs to be an exchange of some sort for services that you're provided in the pagan community because otherwise you are literally siphoning off that person and we have such a, a long strange tradition of refusing money for initiation that's become a taboo of uh, refusing money for everything and that's not helpful to anybody it's in fact quite damaging to our paradigm of labor and the, the paradigm of labor is another thing we're going to have to reckon with if we want to move forward with a, a more equitable con. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and just one of the things that we've run into has been you get these artists who do amazing work and they're like, oh, you want me to pay you for this? <laughs> well, I, I'm good. You're going to get recognition. You're going to get... As a working artist myself, let me tell you right now, my landlord does not accept recognition. Right. Exactly. So, uh, again, it's one of the things that 
the younger generations starting to see and appreciate and I'm, I'm super excited about it that we're seeing that now it's just getting the older folks to jump on board uh, going back to the thing again evolve migrate or die yeah yeah yep. doesn't matter everybody's gonna have to do that one or the other Mm-hmm. I, I have faith in the elders of our community I, I've seen their hearts soften and their minds change and I believe they can do better I'm expecting them mm-hmm. to do better we're not going to put up with fossilized racists anymore because that's just how things were in grandpa's day right. we're, we're going to make them keep coming to Thanksgiving and we're going to talk to them until they understand why Thanksgiving is a terrible holiday <laughs> we, we've switched it to uh, Friendsgiving yeah we have a like, Friendsgiving too it, yeah. we don't celebrate Thanksgiving well you Our have the day enough. off and food's on sale. Yeah, you yeah. do something else. You, you do something well, else. Yeah. We, I don't even know that any of my family have ever celebrated it as the pilgrims met with the natives. And, yeah. yeah. None of us ever believed any of that anyway, so. And they're still teaching it that way in elementary schools. Which I, is incredibly frustrating. I have a few friends. I'm at the age now where my friends have children on purpose. <laughs> and when their kids get into <laughs> first and second grade and they're like, wait, what did you learn at school? Take that off. No, we're not wearing that. The, they still teach Columbus Day. Yeah, Columbus Day and then the pilgrims and the Indians. And that, it, it, well, I know that some states have been changing that and that's going to, uh, you know, Indigenous, Indigenous People's, People's Day. Day. Right. Yeah. And I tend to celebrate Indigenous People's Day. Oh, and absolutely. But... Being an As somebody person. who grew up in a state where I remember we had big, like big deals in elementary school for Columbus Day, and yeah. then you learn the actual history of how uh, he's a genocidal maniac. Yeah, no, it, that that's one of the worst turnarounds I think between elementary school and high school for me. Everything you know is wrong. Everything you've been taught is a lie. Most of your early education, civics, and politics and government was propaganda. Yeah. 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 It's. It's a uh, surprising issue. But uh, I do want to be respectful of your time. So I thank you. Uh, if there's anything else you want to close out, if you have any books that you have uh, coming out. You got out. any like, uh, appearances coming up or something of that nature? Thank you very much for having me. It's, it's been nice to have a place to talk about my salty, salty feelings about the final Pantheacon. <laughs> uh, if you're interested in my work, please check me out. I'm at Meg Elison on Twitter. My website is MegElison.com. All of my books are available on Amazon and at fine independent retailers near you. I do have upcoming events at UC Santa Cruz at the end of this month. And uh, I have an upcoming literary salon in San Francisco on the 21st. It's called Clitterary Salon. That'll be at Perdita. And we'd love to see you there. Thanks very much. Well, thank you very thank much. You. Blessed be. Blessed be. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider donating on our website at ravensatthecrossroads.com. You can also catch future episodes directly from the website or find us on iTunes Music, Google Play Music, or Spotify. Follow us on social media, Ravens at the Crossroads on Facebook and Instagram, and at Ravens Crossroad on Twitter.